Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. I invite you to open your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, we've been in a series of messages in the Gospel of Luke for some time now, and we've reached that point of tremendous victory, of course, in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ as we come to Luke chapter 24. Before we read the scripture together, we're going to spend a few moments in prayer, and perhaps some of you, uh, many of you have already heard, and some may not, that uh, Brother Alan Bargainer's grandson, Mikey, uh, passed away yesterday, and we want to remember this family in prayer this morning, and Brother Alan, we appreciate your presence this morning, and we are grateful you're here to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we want to remember this family today that God will just surround them with his grace and his peace and his presence and his power and be glorified uh, this morning in Mikey's death. Let's join our hearts together in prayer right now. Father, we want to thank you today for the work of redemption. We want to praise you today for the cross. Lord, we do celebrate the cross this morning because of what you accomplished for us there, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you were crucified for sinners. We thank you so much today that, Lord Jesus, as your word makes so clear to us, you became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in you. We thank you that you bore our sin in your body on that cross, that we, being dead to sin, might live to righteousness through the resurrection life of Christ. Thank you for what you accomplished for us at the cross. Father, thank you this morning that there's a resurrection. We thank you so much, Lord Jesus, that you were raised the third day. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the victory of the empty tomb. And thank you that that even at a time such as this in the life of the Bargainer family, we thank you, Lord, that those who are in Christ do not have to sorrow as those who have no hope. But because we have a risen Lord Jesus, we have all hope. And we pray you'll pour out your comfort and grace upon this family right now in this difficult time. The hope and the comfort of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ will be theirs. We pray for for Alan, Anita. We pray especially for April and for Mikey's father, David, for Amber and Olivia. Pour out your grace upon them, Lord. And we know, Lord, that again, as Alan just reminded me this morning, you work all things together for good to those who love you and who are called according to his purpose. And we know that for everyone, there is a time appointed to die. And we thank you that we can be prepared for death through the Lord Jesus Christ. But comfort this family this morning. Father, we also want to pray that you will make your presence known in our sister churches today that are preaching the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Christ will be exalted in every place here and and all over the world where the message of the cross and the message of the empty tomb is proclaimed and that you would bring conviction, repentance, and faith everywhere the gospel is preached and people will come to our Savior this day. Father, we pray that you will make your presence known in this room today. We pray for Lucy Baptist Church that you will revive us, Lord. That, Lord, again, you will unify us. Lord, that you will enable us as a church to live in the hope and in the power of the resurrection 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And even in this room today, Father, we pray that you will bring conviction to the hearts of those who do not know Christ. Lord, some perhaps are even unaware that they do not really know you. And I pray this morning through the word of God, through the power of the gospel, that you will bring that awareness of separation from you to their hearts, cause them to recognize their need for Jesus. Do for them, Lord, what no human being can do, Lord. Turn their heart toward you. Turn their will toward you, God, to repent and to believe and to trust in Christ. And we pray it will happen even today. Lord, and I want to pray for, again, a fresh anointing as we preach this word today, this message. We pray that you will be honored and you will be glorified. And Lord, that you will give illumination to the hearts of those who are your children to receive the truth today. And once again, to those who are not, that you would speak your word to their heart, that the gospel that you tell us is the power of God into salvation will do its work this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit. Be glorified. Lord, we've already worshiped you today and we continue to worship you now as we open the word together. And we thank you for what you're going to do in this day of celebration. In the precious name of Jesus, for his honor and glory, we pray. And all God's people agreed and said, amen. Amen. With your Bibles open there to Luke chapter 24, I want to remind you that we have been in the gospel of Luke and we have been moving toward the cross. And last Sunday, we looked at what happened at the cross, at least in part. And um, we saw the Lord Jesus was crucified with sinners in, in, uh, in keeping with the prophecy of Isaiah and for sinners as the word of God so clearly said he would do and being our sinless substitute. And we saw the forgiveness, the compassion of the Lord Jesus, even on those around him. And we saw a sinner there on the cross in answer to Jesus' prayer to, to forgive, uh, forgive those who did not know what they were doing that day. And, and we even saw one uh, on the cross repent and, and put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we saw Friday night in the message that God used Hunter to preach to us about the cross and how on those, that three hours of darkness upon the cross and God demonstrated what he was doing spiritually by allowing that darkness to to, to cover the land as the Bible uh, makes clear to us that, that our, 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 not only was our sin uh, placed on the Lord Jesus, but that all of God's holy wrath was poured out against him on the cross as he was suffering our eternal hell, if you will, there on the cross. And we saw what the, the Lord Jesus did for us there upon the cross, even as, uh, as he commended himself and committed himself, uh, he was fully in control, d- demonstrating his being fully God there upon the cross uh, and committing his spirit to the Lord. And the Bible tells us there in that, that by 3 p.m. the Lord Jesus had breathed his last. We saw in that text that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus uh, then later with permission took the body of of Jesus down and placed it there in in Joseph's tomb. The faithful women we read were were watching as this was taking place and having to do so hurriedly. We read in other gospels because of the coming of, of the Sabbath and not violating that Sabbath. Uh, later, the Romans would place uh, a seal around that tomb and, and Roman uh, guard around the tomb as well. 
the, la- the women left to go and prepare spices with the intentions that they were going to come back uh, because, again, of the hurried time and, and the Sabbath coming, uh, unable to prepare the body for burial as they would desire. So they went back to prepare those, those spices and oils as they would come uh, after the Sabbath with the intention of anointing the Lord Jesus' body for burial. Even in doing so, fully indicating their belief that Jesus who was their Lord and Savior, whom they loved, was now gone, was now dead, whom they would not see again, they believed, this side of heaven. Reminded of that song that was sung, that was played this morning for our, by our orchestra. It goes on that first day. Lo, in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior. Waiting the coming day, Jesus my Lord. And then there was that second day. Vainly they watch his bed, Jesus my Savior. Vainly they seal the dead. Jesus, my Lord. But then that third day came. Death cannot keep its prey. Jesus, my Savior. He tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. Why don't you sing it with me? Up from the grave he arose With a mighty triumph for his foes He arose a victor from the dark domain And he lives forever with his saints to reign He arose he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. Amen. Would you stand with me as we read our text together this morning? Luke 24, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. Luke 24, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, 
and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. You may be seated. Luke is also the writer of the, gospel, of the book of Acts, and the book of Acts, early in the beginning of, of the book, he says in verse 3, he also presented himself alive after suffering many infallible or irrefutable proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The Lord Jesus presented these infallible, irrefutable proofs, or if you will, evidences of his resurrection. And in these 12 verses that we've read, Luke's account of the resurrection, he gives us some of those proofs. B.F. Westcott, a New Testament scholar, said, taking all the evidence together, it is not too much to say that there is no historic incident better or more variously supported than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I want us to look this morning at, from these 12 verses, eight evidences, if you will, for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the first evidence presented to us here in verse one, and that is the first day of the week. The first day of the week. You see, the resurrection occurred on the first day of the week, Sunday. This fulfilled Jesus' claim that he would be raised on the third day. The, the, Saturday, the Saturday we see that Jesus' body was, was in the grave was the last official Sabbath day. The infant church, as it began, it began to assemble on the Lord's day, on the first day of the week to commemorate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this was a drastic change for these many of whom had been uh, Jews from the Jewish background and Jewish belief and uh, taught all their lives to, to keep the Sabbath day, to observe the Sabbath day. But again, uh, to demonstrate the change that had taken place uh, and to demonstrate the observance of Jesus' resurrection and the celebration of his resurrection, we read that the early church worshiped on the Lord's day. Acts 27 tells us they assembled on the first day to break bread or to receive the Lord's supper together. When we come to Revelation 1.10, John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day being the name that was given to Sunday, and we still use it today because it is the day in which the Lord Jesus was resurrected. And so again, in that sense of the word, every Sunday, if you will, is a resurrection day and it distinguishes the church and it celebrates the work of Christ. Much could be said about that from a theological perspective, but just suffice it to say that it is the first evidence I believe in this chapter presented concerning the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. In AD 70, a church leader, church father named Barnabas wrote, we keep the Lord's day with joyfulness, the day on which Jesus rose from the dead. So again, we celebrate this day in a very special way, and we're glad you've come to celebrate with us, but we want to invite you back next Sunday. We'll be celebrating the resurrection again, because every Sunday, uh, and really every day for a believer, is a resurrection day, because Jesus lives and we have something to celebrate. Do you honor the Lord Jesus? 
uh, as resurrected Lord by meeting to celebrate his resurrection. I believe when Jesus is your Lord, you want to be with the people of God because you want to celebrate Jesus with God's people. I challenge you today, and I present this first evidence, the Lord's Day. But second, a second piece of evidence I believe this passage teaches us is the moved stone. The moved stone. Notice again in, in verse 2, he says they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. When you read Mark's account of the resurrection in verse 16, verse 3, as the women were on their way to the tomb, they were going there, as we saw in this passage, to, to anoint and prepare the body of Jesus for burial. They were unaware about the Romans sealing of the tomb or the Roman guard being placed there. Uh, so they were on their way and, and they were discussing now, you know, how are we going to get this stone, this heavy stone moved from the tomb? Isn't it just like precious women uh, to think emotionally from their hearts and, and not just think logically? But they still were discussing it on their way. How are we going to do this? How are we going to get this stone rolled and moved out of the way? After all, the stone is believed to weigh from one and a half to two and a half tons. And Mark says it was a large and, of course, therefore heavy stone. Well, Matthew reports how the stone was moved. Matthew 28, 2 says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. He goes on to say that the Roman guards uh, were therefore, as a result of this earthquake and a result of seeing these angels, were terrified and uh, became, were rendered unconscious. Unconscious, And when they, when they uh, came to and saw the empty tomb, they fled the scene and went and reported the events to the chief priest. The Jewish leaders uh, bribed them to say that the disciples had stolen the body. Which, which, of course, would, have, would in and of itself been impossible uh, to, for, to, to pull off with this disciplined Roman guard, who certainly all would not have fallen asleep. And even if they had, they would have been awakened by those disciples trying to move that heavy, heavy stone. Uh, so it was impossible. And they would, have, they would have also known that death would have been the penalty for them uh, for, for, this, for this breach being allowed to occur. But in John chapter 20, verse 1, in John's account, as, as Hunter's read this morning, he said, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw the, that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. I read that account to you because that word taken away adds an additional uh, interesting fact concerning this matter. The word taken away literally means to pick up something and carry it away. You see, the angel made sure that it was obviously the supernatural power of God that moved this stone. So we present to you this morning the, the moved stone as evidence of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Attorney Frank Morrison, a number of years ago, set out to refute Jesus' resurrection. Uh, he believed that Jesus was a true historical character and even admired his life and his teachings, as we hear some people say sometimes. But he believed that the followers of Jesus had invented the resurrection story after 
his death. So with his legal background, uh, he began to try to put together the pieces and to refute the resurrection. But again, after many, many hours of study and investigation, he came to just the opposite conclusion, that in fact, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was in fact a historical fact. And not only that, but he repented of his sin and placed his faith in Christ as his Lord and Savior. And sometime later wrote a book entitled, Who Moved the Stone? Presenting Evidence for Christ's Resurrection. I want you to see with me quickly a, a third piece of evidence concerning the resurrection of Jesus. That is the empty tomb. The empty tomb. Again, in, in verse 3, they, the Bible says here that they, then they went and in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Each gospel writer reports uh, the empty tomb of Jesus from a different perspective. But the Roman soldiers knew that the, tem- that the uh, tomb was empty. Uh, again, because uh, uh, that's why they weren't there guarding it when the women appeared at the tomb. Again, the Jewish leaders knew that the tomb of Jesus was empty, and that's why they invented the story about the disciples stealing the body. Mary Magdalene knew that the tomb was empty. That's why she ran back to tell Peter and John that the tomb was empty. And then Peter and John, of course, knew the tomb was empty, and they saw the empty tomb as well. William Lane Craig, an apologist, spoke these words. He said, the fact that the Christian fellowship came into existence and flourished in the very city where he was executed and buried is powerful evidence for the historicity of the empty tomb. Praise God, the tomb was and is empty. Amen. Fourth, I want you to see another piece of evidence from this wonderful passage of scripture, and that is the angel's message. Beginning there in verse four, as the ladies arrived and, and, and saw the empty tomb, they also saw two, the Bible says here, men stood by them in shining or uh, dazzling uh, uh, clothing and shining garments. Uh, verse 23, however, reports that they were angels, and the other gospels as well speak of the angels who appeared and they said to them, why do you seek the literally living one among the dead? Now I know that some skeptics will reject the evidence of the angel's message because they do not believe in the existence of angels, but in doing so, they are denying the testimony of a number of credible witnesses to the event. Angels played such an important role in the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus. They were there to announce his birth as the glory of the Lord shone all around those angels as they announced to the shepherds. Uh, And they ministered to the Lord Jesus in the time of the temptation and throughout his, his ministry. And even now we see they're there to make this declaration of his resurrection. Praise God for the angels' message. And praise God... They are still ministering saints, spirits and ministering even to and through with the saints today. Praise God for the angel's message. But then I want you to see with me a fifth piece of evidence from this passage today, and that is the fulfilled claims of Jesus. The fulfilled claims of Jesus. In the second part of verse 6, as the angels are speaking to them, 
saying, first, he is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and raised the, uh, and, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. These angels reminded the, the women of Jesus' reported claims that, that he, or repeated claims rather, that he would die and that he would be raised the third day. Luke 9, 22 is one of those se- of several incidents when Jesus uh, told them this was going to happen. He, verse uh, nine, chapter 9, verse 22 says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Luke 18, uh, 31 to 34 indicates that the truth of his death, burial, and resurrection was hidden from them and they did not comprehend what he was saying to them But when they heard these angels reminding them of Jesus' words, they had an aha moment. You see again, verse 8 says, they remembered his words. It all came back to them. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did say that. And they were reminded and, and affirmed of what Jesus had said to them repeatedly about his death, his burial, and his Resurrection. This was fulfilled prophecy of the Lord Jesus himself. Not only uh, giving evidence for the resurrection, but affirming his deity, affirming his authenticity as Messiah and as Lord and God. You know, uh, had this not occurred as Jesus said it would, he would either have been a liar or at best a lunatic But praise God, instead, he is Lord and God. The fulfilled claims of Jesus. But six, I want you to to see the evidence with me of the testimony of the women. The testimony of these women who appeared, uh, who were the first to arrive at the empty tomb of Jesus. In verses 9 through 11, we saw there in verse 1, they were the ones who arrived there first. And, and the Bible again says they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the 11 and to all the rest. Well, you know, the fact that the first witnesses of Jesus' empty tomb and the first to encounter the resurrected Lord were women was in itself a clear evidence of Jesus' resurrection. Perhaps you wonder why. Well, in Jewish society, women were not considered reliable witnesses. Their testimony was not even permissible in court. So if the disciples were making up this tale, they were making up this story about the resurrection, they would never have included in their story that women were the first to be at the tomb and the first to see the resurrected Christ. You see, that would, that would, and even when we go on to read it, we read, read further in this text. It says there in, uh, in verse 10, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. You see, when they got back and told this story, even the disciples, the followers of Jesus, who had also heard of Jesus, that Jesus would die and be buried and be raised again, they just thought it was nonsense. And the word here, uh, also translated idle tale, was used of delirious stories told by the very sick 
or those who failed to perceive reality. They didn't believe the story. And when we go on even in the next text to, with the two on the road to Emmaus, the way to Emmaus, they didn't believe the story either. Most people just thought it was just these emotional women and didn't think it was real. But again, as we have said, the Lord Jesus did more to elevate women to their rightful place in his service than any other movement in history. And he sovereignly placed women the first on the scene and the first to report. He knew they would be the ones who would care for the Lord Jesus. They were the the ones that had the courage to show up at the cross and to show up at the tomb. And he honored their faithfulness and their loyalty by allowing them to be the first to see and the first to report the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 10, he gives the names of these women because they were reliable witnesses and faithful followers of Jesus. And as we have said and tried to do throughout the Gospel of Luke, aren't we grateful for the faithful women today who serve the Lord faithfully as his witnesses, as his servants, proclaiming the Gospel, making disciples, Praise God for the faithful ministry of women. And, you know, I'll say, ladies, and and for all of us, eventually those guys came around. Amen? Eventually they did believe their story. So I want to say to you, keep on telling your story. Keep on telling your story. Just keep telling it. Keep telling it. Keep proclaiming the gospel and the news of a resurrected Lord because God will use the gospel. It is the power of God, that, 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 of the gospel that God uses to bring people to come around and understand that the story is true. Amen. Number seven, I want you to see another evidence given to us here, and that is the evidence of the empty grave clothes. The empty grave clothes. Notice again, we're going to look down at verse number 12. The Bible says here, but Peter arose and ran to the tomb and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. He saw these linen cloths by themselves. And you know, Luke focuses on Peter, but John, the gospel writer, also Uh, lets us know by the inspiration of the Spirit that he came to the tomb as well. In fact, we we see in John 20, verses 5 to 8, we read his account, and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had uh, been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, also went in and saw, and he saw and believed. Again, the empty grave clothes. Stephen Cole said, if someone had stolen Jesus' body, they would not have waited to unwrap the linen and leave it there. Jesus' body passed through the grave cloths and left them lying there intact. In fact, Josh McDowell says that the grave cloths were still in the form of the body of Jesus, but slightly caved in and empty. Peter went home marveling at what had happened. You see, John and Peter couldn't get over what they saw, the empty grave clothes. Praise God the evidence that they present of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, I want you to see with me the evidence of the transformed disciples. The transformed disciples. We read about them there 
in verse 11 where it says, and their words seemed to them like idle tales and they did not believe them. Those are sad words, aren't they? They did not believe them. But you know, the fact of the change that obviously took place here and even before the end of this day, of this resurrection day, was perhaps the strongest evidence of Jesus' resurrection. That Jesus changed the hearts of these men. These men who were cowardly, who were doubting, who were discouraged, who were transformed into men who were willing to die for the message of the gospel of a Christ who was crucified for sinners, who was buried and rose again the third day. What happened? What changed them? As Lee Strobel said in his book, who would die for a lie? You know, it's one thing to die for a lie because you don't know any better. People die every day for a lie because they don't know the truth. But these were men who had seen the Lord Jesus They had seen him. They knew that he died. They knew that he was buried. They knew now that he rose again. So they didn't die for a lie. They died. They were willing to die for the truth. In fact, 10 out of the 11 of those disciples, apostles, died martyrs' death. The only one who didn't die a martyr's death was John. John the apostle, the writer of the gospel of John. And actually he was boiled. He just didn't die. And, uh, and he was exiled on the island of, uh, of Patmos where he, where he was inspired to write the, God, the book of Revelation. So God had other plans for him. But, uh, but these men were willing to die for the truth of the gospel, the truth that, that Jesus, God, creator of this universe, to whom all people are accountable, himself became fully man, the God-man, came to this earth, lived a perfect and sinless life, demonstrated his deity through, the, through miracles and through anointed teaching of the word of God, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then one day went to the cross just as he'd planned to at the perfect time when he willingly offered up his life, went to that cross and the Bible says that he became sin for us. But that sin that was separating us from a holy God, he took on himself and was for us on that cross, took our separation, our shame, our guilt of our sin, the punishment of our sin upon himself on the cross, died in our place as our sinless substitute, was buried and the third day arose and is alive this day. That's the truth of what these men were willing to die for. And that by, again, repentance, turning from sin, trusting in Christ and surrendering your life to Jesus as Lord, you can be saved. You can be forgiven. That's what these men were willing to die for because, again, the resurrected Christ had transformed their lives. These men believed because they saw. But Jesus said to Thomas on the occasion when he saw, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And there's a number of folks in this room here today who, whose testimony is just that. We hadn't seen him with our eyes. We've seen him with our heart. And we know he lives. We've, we've heard his word. We've heard the gospel. We've responded to the gospel, surrendered our lives to Christ, and he's changed our lives too. And with this evidence presented to you from the word of God and the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ, what will you do? 
with the evidence. How have you responded? You know, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul lists some of the people to whom Jesus appeared, and among them are his own half-brother, his, his own half-brother James, one who was a skeptic, one who rejected him throughout his ministry, but the Bible says is one of the ones to whom Jesus appeared. And after the resurrection, James was transformed as he came to see that Jesus was, was not a lunatic, but that he was in fact Lord and God. And he too willingly repented of his sin and placed his faith in Christ. And God used him. He became a, as he put it in his own words in the, the epistle of James in our Bibles, that he was a, a bond slave, a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and a faithful servant, follower of Christ. Another brother, also a skeptic, Jude, also a writer of a, uh, of a book in our Bibles, too repented of his sin and placed his faith in Christ. And one by one, people came to Jesus and recognized him as Lord and their lives were transformed for eternity. You see, friend, you cannot come to Jesus in repentance and faith and surrendering your life to him as Lord and not be changed, not be transformed. In fact, I mentioned Josh McDowell a few moments ago. Josh McDowell was one who was a skeptic. He too, like Frank Morrison, set out, as others have, to try to refute this idea of the resurrection. He spent, in his own words, about a thousand hours uh, with trying to put together the pieces and, and to disprove the resurrection. But after those 1,000 hours of research, he too came to believe the facts of the resurrection, that Jesus in fact did die, that Jesus was buried, and that he did rise again. But he said, you know, it wasn't just all that wonderful evidence that I saw and that his whole ministry since that time uh, has been built around that, the fact that there is evidence for faith. But he said, what really, really, the proof that really made the impact on my life was the, the changed lives I saw of people around me, people who knew Christ. He, saw, I, he said, I saw the, the love that God had put in their heart. I saw their forgiveness. I saw their compassion. Because the Bible tells us, Jesus said that would be, that the love we have for one another as God's people would be evidence to people that we are his disciples, that Jesus, in fact, is Lord, he is God, and he's still in the life-changing business. And so Josh McDowell repented of his sin, placed his faith in Christ as Lord, and Jesus has been using him ever since to point others to the Lord Jesus Christ. What about you, friend? Have you repented of your sin? Have you placed your faith in Christ as Lord? And is there evidence of that? Are you, are, you an are you evidence for the resurrection? These disciples changed lives were evidence for the resurrection. Some of you today may claim to know Christ, but is there really evidence? Is there really evidence that you have encountered a resurrected Lord and that he has changed your life and he is now Lord of your life? If not, dear friend, I challenge you today, as the Word of God says, examine yourselves to see whether you're the faith. And we challenge you, uh, to, if you've not had that experience of grace, of, of repenting, of sin, and placing faith in Christ, as you hear God speaking to you today and recognize your need for Christ, we urge you and call you to come in repentance of faith, of, of, of your sin, and placing your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I spoke with Brother Allen prior to the service this morning and had his blessing to just to say as we think about, and our hearts certainly are broken over uh, this, uh, uh, this tragic sudden death of his grandson, only 20 years old, Mikey. I remember when he was just a little bitty 
fella and a shadow of his, of his, in his granddad's steps. And, and I know this is a heartbreaking experience. It certainly reminds us that, that we are not immune, even as believers, to, uh, to, to the, these, uh, these uh, matters of tragedy in our life. The Bible tells us it is appointed unto man once to die. We know that we live in a fallen world and this is, that, that death is a part of the curse of sin. But the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus has taken the sting out of death. And that, uh, that he's given us the assurance that even though our lives are like a vapor and we do not, cannot, and are not and instructed not to boast ourselves about tomorrow because we don't know what a day may bring forth. And that is why it's so important that we are prepared. But I'm so glad to tell you uh, as a pastor through the years of, of, of ministering to people in these difficult times, uh, what a joy it is to, to come to the, uh, the, the ministry of those who are believers who have the assurance that when their loved one who is in Christ dies, to be absent from this body is to immediately be present with the Lord. That is the, that is the hope and the, the assurance, uh, the confident assurance that we have as believers that when we are in Christ, to be absent from this body is to immediately be present with the Lord. And I want to ask you a question this morning as we prepare to close this time of our service. If this morning... It was you we were talking about. If you were the one that I was announcing to Lucy Baptist Church that you had passed away yesterday, would we have the confidence in our heart that you were now with the Lord? Would there, would there be evidence from your life and from a relationship with Christ that you were now in the presence of Christ? You see, friend, again, we do not know and that is why we don't know what tomorrow holds. And that's why we must be prepared. And why, again, it, it, it's, it's such a, a joyful knowledge and assurance to know that Christ is our Lord. So that when we do leave this life, we're ready to meet our Lord. Ready to enter into his presence for all eternity. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.